I remember working on a project in high school that I like wanted to transform how people were interacting with information that they were getting and like how they were actually playing with the elements of like a a service delivery. It was this time of like, it's a new user experience, right? Like the web and the interaction and like how people actually engaged with a computer was changing. Welcome to the podcast where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're bringing the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today on the podcast is Don Finley. Don is the force behind Findustries, a leading product development agency that's made a monumental impact on tech and financial sectors, shaping the landscape of innovation in product development. And that's an area that I recruit for and love to work in. That's probably why I booked him on here. But more than that, with a remarkable career spanning two decades, Don's expertise infusing science, art, tech has propelled his agency to the forefront of the industry. However, Don's journey extends beyond the conventional realms of a CEO. He embraces a visionary perspective. Keep the music going. <laughs> Firmly believing in the foundation of business success lies in genuine friendship and shared value. This dude has built a network of over 60 plus partners and 16,000 developers. Left a mark. This guy knows how to build a business. We're going to talk AI. We're going to talk what the heck's happening in the industry. So let's get to it. Don Finley, welcome to the podcast. Adam, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here and talk to you about everything that you've got going on. So I'm excited really too. And, and I was going to end this podcast before it started because I, I asked Don if he was an Eagles fan because he's in Philadelphia. <laughs> And he said he's actually his third team and is a Giants fan. So we're able um, we're able to we're able to continue this little chat here. So thank God for the small things in life, Don. Exactly. Awesome, man. So That's let's, how we build let, relationships. It, it, right. We we bond around a shared hatred of certain teams, unless the team you root for is the the team I hate as well. And then then we just gotta deal with it and record this podcast and wince and grim and whatever. Anyway, let's uh Let's uh, let's get back to it here, Don. Let, let's tell, I, I want I want to introduce um, you a little bit more than the bio to, to the crowd here, and I want to talk about you know your journey into tech. Was it was it something you're always into? You know, were you were you back in those AOL chat rooms back in the day, hacking along with those free Prodigy CDs? Uh, yeah, no, I definitely was, and so you definitely <laughs> you've aged both of us. It's um, fine. It's all good. I like. It's funny. I was just telling this story. I originally wanted to be a Disney cartoonist and like, so I'm sitting That's here like, mm-hmm. yeah, 10 years old, kind of like taking any cartooning class that I could tracing, doing whatever it was that like a cartoonist would do. And then we got our mm. first computer. I was like 11 years old, 12 years old and started playing with it. And, you know, at first we had, you know, a couple of games, Right. But then it was like, all right, I'm kind of bored of this. So I started getting into like, what can I make this thing Mm -hmm. new? And the creative endeavor just kind of went. And I always saw like software development as this creative process that allowed me to express in a different way. It's so cool, too. And and I'm not going to date you on here, but I I remember my early days of of coding. I was growing up in Brooklyn. I remember in elementary school, we were even doing basic and logo and making the rocket ship flying, you know, fast forward to where um, we are today. But the, the cartooning is interesting. So let's take a little bit of a turn here. What was it, what was it about the, the Disney cartoons that really in, in inspired you? Was there certain characters, stories? 
there are, the inspiration, I, I don't know if it was so much the characters, but the the ability to tell a story that you wouldn't have been able to tell really got to me, right? Like you could tell Cinderella, you could tell Lion mm-hmm. King, you could uh, give personas to animals, give like, look at what Pixar is doing with emotions, right? right? Like mm-hmm. that. Elements. That story, that element. <laughs> yeah, ex- elements. And that, yeah, um, anything. that storytelling aspect was just really... It, thriving for me it gave an imagination a, a new realm of play it's pretty interesting too and i never really thought about it, even though it's pretty obvious is like what pixar's doing right it's the artist storytelling on something that doesn't have a, a a physical life like the element right like they they don't and now you're putting a life and a story and a character behind them it's 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 pretty incredible too aside from disney like what were your what were your jams growing up i mean for me i'm i'm still simpsons and it's funny i watch it with my kids now <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's the longest running show in the history of TV, but they keep it. Fr- the, so my favorite part about the Simpsons is how they literally predict the future. They predicted Trump. They predict everything that happens on the Simpsons. It's incredible. Now, how how is it. that? Like, and I, I love the Simpsons growing up. I definitely was like in that. I, um, you know, I feel like I transitioned into South Park and like, that's been where I've like Oof, stayed. Yeah. Into it, but yeah, yeah. South Park. I mean, that's, that's another winner. Right. I mean, always staying on, on top and the, on the cutting edge. But let's we, 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 we digress a little bit. Um, so technology, you, you got the first computer and you're messing around with that. How did that carry through, you know, your early days of school into college? You know, I was fortunate that, like, I had some really good teachers, uh, went to like a good school growing up. Like they they supported any endeavor as far as like getting into, you know, programming at a young age and like helped us find things like in my classmates to find things that like helped expand that. And so as I, you know, got into the computer, my parents helped me like figure out how I was going to like do more programming stuff. If that's what I wanted to do. I started my first business when I was like 15 to yeah, it was no, sorry. It was right around like 17. What was that business? Designing websites. So like, this is like mid, it was late nineties. Right. So like the internet was just taking off. And like, so I got into the idea of like helping people get online uh, and get their, their web presence up and going. What, what platform are you building them on back then? What were they based? They um, were, I mean, there were the static pages. I remember that. What kind of builder tool? I don't even. Oh my God. It got acquired crazy. by Adobe. Uh, I want to say Dreamweaver and who was doing Flash before Adobe picked up Flash. Like that was, so you kind of combine the animation with the web presence. So, Uh, I mean, even, even back then, like, I mean, it's hard to kind of think about it, but were you thinking more than just a design? Were you thinking more about the, the use of it and, and any future applications or was that not even a thought back then? Cause it was so nascent. It was so new. Well, it's, I remember working on a project in high school that I like wanted to, to transform how people were interacting Hmm. with information that they were getting and like how they were actually playing with the elements of like a a service delivery. Uh, And so it was this time of like, it's a new user experience, right? Like the web and the interaction and like how people actually engaged with a computer was changing. It's crazy. So I want I want to make a huge leap forward, and we're going to come back to the story now. But but I've been messing around. I mean, one of the th- one of the pieces of AI, I messed around with a lot of AI. All the Chat GPT versions we're up to now. But one of them that's really interesting to me, and I don't recall the name of it offhand, is it's a program where you could almost draw with the computer a website, 
and it creates it for you, but it doesn't just create it for you. It's also infusing the AI components to advise you on the best UI UX for what you're designing and give you recommendations based on that. Even wording on your on your buttons, on the labels, on different parts of it. So you don't even need to know how to code anymore. You just need to have an idea and, an, and the technology is gonna translate it into a functioning website. How crazy that we've we've gone that far in in 20, 20 years. It's amazing. Like I have my undergraduate degree is in computer science with a focus on artificial intelligence. And like at that time we were studying all the things that we're doing today with you know but let's also a call it machine learning of, too, right? It's important that we that yeah. we pair those two together because they go and AI's been around for a very, very long time. Just like the yeah, internet's been around since the fifties and sixties, right? Like people have been fucking around and finding out for a while on this stuff. Well, and they were doing <laughs> AI artificial intelligence, you know, is the large umbrella that yeah. covers this. And like it's we not were just doing XBT, like the systems. consumer facing, right? That's another whole exactly. thing, right? Like, oh my God, did you hear the AI came out last year? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Mm. AI has been around. Yeah. But like this was during the it was the the winter. The mm-hmm. AI winter was during like this time period from like the late seventies to basically 2012 and 13 is really what kicked off this new sort of evolution because we didn't have, we had the ideas for how we would do these things. We didn't have the data and we didn't have the compute power to basically right. go That's ahead. So the internet helped to create that whole swell of of awesomeness that we see today. And that's an interesting point too. It's it's the the we had the computing power needed to catch up to the output, the desired output, right? For the speed to get to where it needed to be. Right. And so it's, explain well, to everyone out there, right? Like explain to everyone out there, like how would how would you explain AI to my mom? Okay, so I call this the lowest common denominator question. No offense. Mom, I know this is the, you know, how do you, how do you explain this to your parents? And like, I, I still don't know if my mother understands what I'm up to. <laughs> <laughs> how do you explain it to them? All right. So how would I explain, uh, let's do chat GPT to my mother, right? Or to anybody's mother is like, you're basically, you're looking at a system that is able to take in any bit of information that you have. And the desired is that it has a conversation with you, that it is able to intelligently find information, respond to it and understand the context in which your aunt's asking it Hmm. along the lines of like how it does it. It mimics the human brain, right? So the human brain is made up of neurons and the neurons are activated by electrical pulses Mm -hmm. that end up triggering a whole set of them. And when you do this on, you know, the, the order of magnitude of a billion type of neurons, you're able to mimic that type of brain. But the important part is like, how do you train it? And this is where, you know, how do you figure out what neurons connect to other neurons? And the way that I like to talk about this is it's like, you ever train a dog, right? You ever have a puppy? No. Okay. But I know what it's. <laughs> yeah. So like a no. puppy has. Yeah. Nope. All right. Well, conversation's done. So <laughs> we made Back it past football. the Eagles. We can't make past this. <laughs> the a puppy has an unlimited amount of energy, right? Like they're literally you're just going to do things, and they don't have the software necessary to know what's a good behavior versus a bad behavior. And so, like, what we end up doing is we end up rewarding good behavior. And the good behavior then ends up coming out again. And we punish bad behavior, Mm -hmm. 
right? So that's how you train AI. You've got this blank sort of hardware. And then in order to figure out how the software and the neurons are connecting, the AI is going to try stuff. And because you have this goal function, it then goes back and says, you know what, that was a good behavior. And the AI is like, all right, well, I'll reinforce right. that pathway that got me there. And that's what reinforcement it's learning. learning is. It's consistent learning. But yeah. I, what, I try, what I try to implore is that like it's garbage in, garbage out, right? Like your output in AI is only as good as, as the input that's coming in there. And whether you're whether it's an open source AI, like you know, open AI, or whether you're creating your own chat GPTs, which is really cool. A lot of folks right now, they're doing cool things. You know what they're doing is they will ingest all their content into a machine and they could create a bot with their own voice. You could prompt yourself to create your own social media content. That's one of the cool things out there. But generally speaking, and we saw this early on when everyone started to mess around with chat GPT, there was a, a story about a lawyer, an attorney who was going to trial and he used chat, chat GPT that delivered him the output, which was a, 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 a fake case. And he presented in court and got called out on and got disbarred. And I think it's a great learning lesson for everyone out there that, A, this is not the regular internet, which you still need to search. It's different than Google, right? This is different. How, how is Google different than ChatGPT? Like, why would I just so like, search something in ChatGPT? What's the risk? Hallucinization or right. flat out lying is basically like, so ChatGPT is a probabilistic engine. And so what it's going to do is it, spits out the next war and it also is feed forward hmm. um which basically means that it has no idea what it's going to say next mm -hmm. as it's writing the sentence it's just basically it's constructing the information in a way that pushes out in a, a linear direction so it can't tell you something basically it can't plan on how it's going to tell you something in the first paragraph and then how it's going to do it in the third on its default at its basic layer. Now there are tricks that you can perform that help it to depending on the prompts. Right. Exactly. And like ways of prompting, like a chain of thought, um, step processing, right? Like giving it That's feedback why, on that. Um, uh, I was just about to say, this is, this is why I think, um, and we we're talking before, like I'm a recruiter by trade. I think that one of the roles that we're really going to see emerge is, is uh is ai engineering prompt engineers right people that really understand how to sequence and program it because right it's still a bot it's still a machine and no it's not terminated not going to take over the world yet and i always say it's not ai that's going to take your job it's the people that know how to use ai effectively yes to to take it so let, let, let's hit the rewind button here and and when did you really start to combine this or really understand the concept of of, of what product means right in the world in the world of technology how did that thought process come? I know you started out early in your career as a, uh, an analyst for a local bank in Ohio, but like, how did that early career transition to where you are now? Yeah, so I ended up uh, early 2000s working for a bank and was fortunate. Uh, you're probably familiar with uh, agile software development. And so agile is this umbrella set of processes and ideas about how you go about developing software. So instead of doing something and then having one big release after six months, you know, you have a release every week and you can course correct and you can go. Kind of building the and airplane so, as you fly it, right? Yeah, yeah that's basically what <laughs> that's it turns how I say out agile, to be. Right. It's, and you know, a lot of organizations <laughs> devolve into that sort it, of space. It kind of works with human behavior, more of an iterative process versus setting long-term, right? It's And, and you kind of, you don't know what you're going to get until you see it. And like people don't really comprehend how they're going to be fully utilizing something until they sit down and, and do it. 
Um, some people are really good at that, but the vast majority of people are not. And so I had the opportunity to be trained in Scrum project management really early on. Like we're talking 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. And I think they, I can't remember when they signed the Agile Manifesto, but Agile was just starting to, to become more popular. Uh, and so I had finance banking experience. I had project management experience and I had a strong background in software development. Uh, and so what ended up happening is I got recruited by Barclays uh, to go work out of their Wilmington office for a guy who, a brilliant man, absolutely loved him. And he always wanted to find like unicorn people. So mm-hmm. the guy who was recruiting me goes, he's like, I've been looking for six months. He goes, you're 10 years younger than anybody else that we've ever interviewed, but you have these three characteristics and skill sets that we can't find in other people. He goes, you are a unicorn. So like, hopefully it works out. Well, go for it. I like, I'll cut out the the long story of it, but I ended up at Barclays and after like six months, that organization transitioned from being project management into doing technology product management for the business. And basically like, because that division was growing so fast, they couldn't figure out what they needed to build two years in Mm. advance in order to get there. And so we helped them be a very like more essentially mature the product side of what technology they were developing. Interesting. So um, let's let's pause and, and talk about that from a career perspective. I mean, a, two components there. One, you were at the right place at the right time um, to be recruited, but you had those skill sets. You had those elements that they were looking for. And it's so many, it's so interesting now. Like there's so many people out there that are out of work um, that have these kind of unique skill sets. I mean, what kind of advice would you give somebody who's 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 looking to pivot? Maybe they've been in one part of, of their sector for a while, but they want to move over to something not too far. Like I'm not going from a plumber to an astronaut and no offense to either of those two professions, but something within reasonable, like how would you position, how would you advise someone to reposition themselves? The first thing that I would do is actually look at like where you want to go, right? Decide on that first. And then you're basically going to take an inventory of the skills that you have versus the skills that are desired in that in those roles. Um, the, the fortunate thing, I think I kind of got lucky as far as like making that, but I did want to go project management. I loved product management because project management spits into two Mm -hmm. realms of either you're reporting on everything that gets done, or you're actually making decisions and helping to drive things forward. And that's really product type of spot. Um, so I would say for somebody moving into a new career, you're taking an assessment, you're taking an inventory of your skills and then learning how you can apply those skills in the new, the new vertical. And I think a lot of that has to come down to real real self-awareness, right? Am I, am I at a level, Hey, I think I'm good at product marketing. I may have touched it here and there, but am I, I am at the, but I'm at, but am I at the level that this job requires that is strictly focused in product marketing? Right. And then if you do get the opportunity to get your foot in the door, how do you, Amplify and talk about the work that you did. And I always tell folks it's about quantifiable results. Tell me what you did. Tell me how you did it. What role yeah. did you have, you know, you know, in this here? So let's get back to product for a little bit. You know, what what are those, you know, you've, you've built, managed for uh, your own company, for clients, uh, internally and externally. But what, what are those core, you know, most critical ingredients to a successful product? A digital hey, the first product. thing that comes to mind is like a product market fit. And understanding that like the first product that you launch isn't going to be the product that actually like screams to the market. Uh, you're going to 
one of your most important partners in your development lifecycle is your customer. Mm -hmm. And as far as them being able to look at a prototype and tell you what they need, yeah, they're going to get you 80% of the way there, but really to hit a home run, it's about getting that feedback loop going with your customer and continuing to develop through that. That's super smart too. So back to your career, working for working for the banks, when when was that moment when you was there a core moment when you did, critical moment when you decided to go out on your own and launch Findustries or was that kind of built up over time? Are you always planning to go out on your own and build your own your own company? Love to hear yeah, this I always had this I, I always had this desire to like own my own business. Um, I kind of I think I saw my my father, you know, he he was a career guy and like he was working for a Fortune 500 company and like absolutely like loved his job, loved what he was doing. And at the same time I saw how he would he would effectively like be on that track and his mm career trajectory and the projects that he worked on were determined by the business that he was with. And so like that, I saw that as somewhat limiting, but I also saw the, the amazing thing of being an entrepreneur is that you're constantly doing something that nobody's done before. And that's kind of exciting to be able to break glass wherever you go and to experience the, the ability to transition or transform a, an industry. Um, has been really cool. And I feel very fortunate to have been able to participate in that in my career. So what was the vision of launching Findustries? Um, yeah, so I was a VP of software CTO at a few organizations and kind of had an opportunity to, to play around in the startup space. And one thing that I noticed is every time that I would go out and hire a software development agency, they were really good at the technical skills. And they right. also executing. were really good at kind of like executing on that, like, hey, if you give us requirements, we can do this. And like, you got to feed them everything that goes mm -hmm. through, but they could execute. And so like, that was fantastic. But a lot of the companies that I was working with didn't just need the software developers. They needed people that could actually help them figure out how to get a product to market. The consultant side of it, the business side. It, mm -hmm. The business side of it was missing. And so I started Findustries as being both. Is like, look, you can come to us for the software development, but really why you want to be paying us is because we're going to help you actually get a product to market. And like that's the big benefit that I I see for Findustries as well as the challenge that I saw in the market uh, you know, 10 years ago. So rewinding 10 years ago, you go out and you launch your own business. Was there, was there, as I like to say, a, a hard lesson learned the hard way or a misconception that you thought would be easier or different when you started out? What was one of the things that your only way to learn is by, by, by failing? Oh, yeah. Um, the hard lesson was my own ego, right? I thought I was so amazing and like that clients would just be like lining up, you know, to work with us. And like we've, you know, we've done well, we have some great clients and we have some, some people we built up over time. And additionally, like we had some really key, key clients up front that helped us get, get started. Uh, but I was like planning on, you know, astronomical growth, like right out the gate. And I wasn't ready for it from a maturity level. Mm -hmm. I also, um, you know, was overzealous in like what we could be tackling. Uh, the other thing that I think I, I learned early and sometimes this comes to comes back was, you know, you can't be everything to everybody. And then along those lines, I also mm. enjoyed the, 
the aspect of like, hey, we did this really cool project for this person in this industry. We weren't initially capitalizing on trying to find similar projects that we could essentially like jump into because we showed that success. We had that on our resume and yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic list. Gentlemen across the nation, I have an urgent message for you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. The brand that took your balls to space is now launching them to the Ultrasphere, introducing the Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. Featuring a new cutting-edge design and next-generation dual-skin-safe blade heads for different shaves. It's pretty much a spaceship to take your boys downstairs to the next level. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the brand new Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code POZCAST, P-O-Z-C-A-S-T. High tech for low places. That's Manscaped. And I got to tell you, since I got my hands... On this pair of trimmers, my life downstairs has changed. My wife loves it, if you know what I mean. But let me tell you, this has made it so much easier to take care of what I need to do downstairs. You know what? Take it on the go. Manscaped has you covered. This puppy comes with a travel case and even a travel lock to avoid any accidental powering on or weird looks in the airport. Guys, check this out. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off when you use the code POSCAST, plus free shipping. I'm telling you, your balls have been through enough. It's time to go ultra with Manscaped. Check it out. At what stage, I want to make sure I'm doing this in chronological order here, what, what's, what did, when you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, was that after you launched Findustries? Yeah, so that was after and, I launched Findustries. So let's talk about it. You talk about the moment in your life when you climbed and essentially you realized you were extremely unhappy. I mean, you got to the literal peak, the, the top of the mountain. What were you unhappy about? This is the emotional the part of the podcast. Of, oh, this is yeah. <laughs> nice transition. So we end up we end up climbing the mountain. And like even before that, like uh Finistries was hitting every single check mark that it could, right? Like I was setting goals, hitting them, setting personal goals, hitting them, right? Like everything was kind of like chasing the next kind of thing. And so what ended up happening is we get to the top of Kilimanjaro and it's a six and a half day hike to get to the top. You climb up and then you climb up in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. you turn around and you see the sunrise. And it was that moment of seeing the sunrise over the second peak and looking at my friends' faces and they were all like in awe of this. And I'm like, that's okay. Meh. Meh. And so it, nah, it was like this nah, light it's right. switch. It's all right. Yeah. It's like, eh, this is nah, cool. I mean, <laughs> you know, I have seen a sunset. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, what the fuck? No. Right. That was, that was a moment where I was like, holy shit, there is nothing wrong outside of me. It's me that's the problem in this. I mean, what, what an existential, like, you, 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 you literally climbed the peak, right? Like you, you, you trained for it, you prepared, you were excited, you did it and then you do it and you get to the top. You're like, okay, well, something's, some, I'm, I'm, I'm at the place where I should be ecstatic and I'm yeah. looking at my friends and why, why do I not have the same emotion as them? So wh- where did, where did that, where did that journey go from there of, cause I mean, I, listen, it, it's, that had to be one of the core moments of, of radical self-awareness in your life. Where you're like something is we oh, all go yeah. through, right? And as a business owner, as a human, as an entrepreneur, whatever, like those moments are. I mean, I talk about my journey, my 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 you know self awareness, fifteen all the time. 
Like you kind of need to have that moment. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's that moment set was the the spark that kind of like drove every other change within Findustries and helped us to to explore how we were actually working in the market. I mean, I ended up we ended up going on safari after that, going to Zanzibar and then like the first phone call that I made when I got home was to a friend who I met through a business he invited me to go. We were checking out a um, we were checking out a, cl- a potential client who had bought a y- old U.S. steel mill to fill it with uh, Bitcoin mining equipment oh, because it was close to a yeah. power plant, right? And so, like this time frame around 2018 is oh, when geez. this is happening. I and I, so, I like we're seventeen, exactly, yeah. right? And uh, well, we're now having another run. So either way. Um, there will be another winter in which mm-hmm. you can buy in, but at the same time, it's so either way, this guy has the, the closest personal relationships that I've ever seen amongst somebody who's doing business. And there's none of that mask that he's wearing. There's no sort of like, I'm showing up as this person in this environment because that's what, you know, is called for. And at the same time, I can still hold a connection with everybody. And so I, I called him up and I was like, whatever you guys are doing, I'm in. I want to understand myself and also have the deep connections that you have as well. And so like it kicked off that journey. And I think in a, a month after uh, I got back from Africa, I was in Peru in the jungle. So, yeah, let's, let's talk, let's talk about your journey with, with plant-based medicine, specifically ayahuasca. And, uh, I'm, I have full disclosure. I have not done ayahuasca, very interested in its journey. It's around me. My friends have done countless ceremonies or in that Burning Man culture that they do it the right way. I have friends that have traveled yep. into the jungles. They've done the the full toad DMT, the, all the, all that kind of uh, stuff there. And I think that there's a um, misconception about it, right? Okay. You don't go to do diet. You don't go to do ayahuasca and get high and go to the club. That is not what ayahuasca no. is. Could you explain to everybody? I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to hear about your journey as much as you remember of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the actual experience because I think it's important to share to, to 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 show people the real story of what ayahuasca is. Right, you're not going to the corner and buying ayahuasca on the from the guy in there, <laughs> right? You're not. You're not. Like, that's not how it works, right? You want to do it no. the right way with with the, with the right shaman and the right people that understand it. But for for everyone out there, to, to, were, were you scared? Were you, was it more of like like I don't know what to expect? I'm I'm interested. I'm scared. Tell us a little bit about your experience. And especially in Peru, frightened. you didn't just you didn't just go upstate to you know uh, you know uh, a, a cabin. Oh, no, I didn't hit, no, like, you, uh, no, you exactly. did. You went. You went to the source, man. You went deep. Yeah. So and it was you know kind of it, it just happened that they were going on a trip and that made it possible. But mm-hmm. um, here's what I would say. But uh, when I was getting with my girlfriend, we'd be dating for about like a year and something right now, right? So when we first started dating, I would tell her about these things and she's like, oh, you're doing drugs. And I was like, no, it's medicine. It's, it's right? a big difference. Like it's, it's, a, it's yeah. exactly. Ayahuasca and cocaine are complete two different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Not even. And yeah. Here's what I could say. It's not a drug. You could use ayahuasca as a drug, right? But it's definitely, you're not going to get the same benefit. Oh. It's almost like you can also use cannabis as a medicine. Cannabis can be a very mm-hmm. powerful, like spiritual teacher, or it can be something to avoid your problems. Correct. Alcohol can be a good social lubricant or it can be the detriment of your entire life, mm-hmm. right? But like when, you, when you're taking a substance, take it with intention, right? Like so sit down and really understand why you're ingesting this intention. product. 
so that you know what you're looking to gain from it. Um, and with mine, I'll tell you what mine was. Mine was literally the first time that I sat with ayahuasca and like, I'm just kind of like, I don't know what to expect. I don't want, I don't know if I'm going to like shit my pants, if I'm going to be thrown up all over the place. I've heard these stories. You've heard the stories and you know, and then also like, I don't know how it's one of the most powerful psychedelics. Where's my mind going to go? What's going to happen in this? We'll be able to come back from it. That's what I always fear about doing it. Is like, my favorite joke and yeah, my favorite joke in ceremony space is people ask like, when, how long is this going to last? And I'm like, forever. Yeah. Because it's also the truth. That's why you do it. You do it for change that's going to happen. And like, I, I ended up, so ayahuasca first time, like I ended up, um, I ended up going in there for self-discovery. I literally just wanted to understand about myself. And like, so one of the things with Aya, um, she's commonly referred to as grandmother, And like, you know, you're sitting in, I was in the sacred Valley and you know, the, the whole ceremony starts and like you, you show up and you're wearing all white. Right. So it kind of feels like a cult to begin with. And also people understand Uh, that you have to prepare to go into it. There's a dietary because you want it to be able to absorb and work and you don't go in there with a full meal. You, you fast into it. You fast into it, but also, um, you do have a special diet and it's really the nutrients broths and nutrients, you're, you're avoiding stale meat. You're mm-hmm. avoiding, um, any bit of cheese. Well, it's also the gut um, biome. So it's able to fruit. absorb everything. Correct. Yeah. Um, because they're also, it's part of it is the DMT mm-hmm. and the other part of it is an MAOI inhibitor. There's the vine and the, and the leaf. And so like the MAOI inhibitor, you don't want to take any food that is going to counteract that. So like you won't have the full experience and also you can get a headache that is very painful if you, your diet isn't up to spar. So yeah, there's preparation that goes into this that goes on at least, uh, three or four days, yeah. uh, before the entire thing. And then so you show up in all white. Yep. Sit down. You're in a circle, right? Like you're on your own mat. It's your own journey. It's kind quiet. of in your own mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Like you are, the shaman is up front. They'll be, you know, doing the prayers, the chants, singing the music, Um, and like you go and take your first cup, like they have first serving and like you connect with your intention while you're taking the medicine and then you go and you sit and like, depending on the lineage that you actually sit with, whether it's uh, Santo Daime, Shipibu, it will change how the ceremony is done, but all of them are really taken in a very individualistic perspective. Some are done completely in the dark with just chanting, very few instruments. Others are done with like, you know, they'll light fires the and they'll bath. have yeah, right, the yeah. full sound bath kind of experience. Um, grandmother, she came in and she was just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to create happiness. And she's like, all this stuff that you've been doing, all these activities that you've been trying to do, the boxes you've been checking, like, you know, the successful business, the, the women, the cars, like all of that stuff that hasn't gotten you happiness. Right. Like, and I'm like, no. And like, yeah. And that was the whole thing of Kilimanjaro. And she goes, all right, no, here's how you cultivate it. Here's how you get into your body and like understand it. And that's what she just walked me through for like eight hours. And then at one point she was like, all right, well, we're going to disintegrate the roof and the roof starts going. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that's too much for me right Grandma, now. Bring so it back the roof on. goes back. Grandma yeah, just yeah. wanted to so show you, you talk to her. she wanted to show you what she's got. All right. 
Exactly. And that's she's that's, like I got that's, this. That's the fun the 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 fun part of the of of the journey there. But um, how, may I ask you how many how many times have you uh, gone through ceremony since? Um, for ayahuasca, at least a dozen. That's incredible, and each time is different. Yeah, yeah. Each time it's different, right? Like there's, you know the the fun thing is like I, she shows you these things, and then you know you got to go back and you got to implement it in your life, right? Yeah. Like integration of these lessons is really where the and, work comes in and where the benefit is. Um, and, and I can tell you every single time I sit with her, it's a it's a new lesson, a new experience, and just a new gratitude. I love it. And, and, and I appreciate you for, for sharing and, and being open with that. Cause I think that it's important for people to understand that, you know, it's not drugs. It's not drugs the way you, you think about it. But one of, one of the things you actually said, you had this realization that you needed to work with friends even more right yeah. after that. And I think that's powerful because there's schools of thought that some people old who don't ever work with friends, right? Like, you know, you feel like you're in like a mafia movie, right? Like don't ever work with friends. But I find some of my best business relationships are with friends, but there's a delicate balance too, because you really have to know how to handle conflict within that and having a common understanding of like, if there is a conflict, a business conflict, how are we going to handle this? So it doesn't affect our friendship. How have you, how have you dealt with that? Right. Cause you've had to have had conflict with working with friends. I mean, it's only natural because it's business because shit goes sideways. Sometimes I, that is out of our control. So I have two things. One, my number one priority is the relationship, right? So it helps to, to ground myself in that, right? Business changes, business evolves. Mm -hmm. The original business, I think the, the business license would only guarantee you a business for, I think like 10 years or something, right? Like, so even in its natural evolution, businesses were meant to kind of like die, mm -hmm. right? Well, now, a little bit of that's changed, but in the same token, I, I think it's, if you focus on the relationship, you then understand how you can address any of the challenges that are going about. There's a new level of compassion and in empathy that you create when you're concerned about the relationship over your concern about what's actually getting done. And then additionally, like I have, uh, one of my businesses, I have five other partners in it. And most of the people have been friends for at least the last three years, some going on 20 to 30 years. And one of my business partners goes, I always thought this working with friends thing was a disaster. And he goes, you convinced me that this can actually work, not because we don't have any problems. He goes, but I have the same problems with the people that I'm not friends with. Right. So why not do it with people that I really care about and want to see them grow in a number of ways? It's such an interesting part too. There's a, a mutual desire for success versus yeah. other business relationships. We're, like I'm not wishing ill will on my other business partners, but if we're all in a business together, there's a mutual desire to succeed, which is an energy, right? And you're getting back exactly. to, the, to the plan work and how that all kind of fuses together. And, it, and it's all about relationships, right? It's all about... You know, for, for me, and they say like, you know, your network is your net worth. And I, I, I mean, I built my success on that. And it sounds like you have um, as well. But what, but what are some of the guardrails that you need to put in place? Like, are there boundaries? Like, do you, do you have like a, like a safe word? <laughs> do you have like a safe word with your friends? You know what I mean? Like, hey, guys, like, Banana. like yeah, bologna no. sandwich. Like, we need to fucking punch out for a minute and like take a time out before we kill each other. Right. Well, and that's kind of the. So. There's a book called um, You're the One You've Been Waiting For, and it's about integral family systems and basically part theory 
And the idea is that at every interaction that you have, there's part of you that is interacting with it. There's another part of you that is like actually present to this piece. And so like I'm oversimplifying this, but your closest relationships are the ones that like love you the most, Mm -hmm. but also are the ones that can be the most triggering as well. And because the, the space into your heart is also marked with trauma, right? Like those are the triggers that kind of like get brought up. And when you decide that you're doing business with people that you care about, that you love, that you take the emotional side with it, as well as the logical side, you can create some really cool shit. Yeah. And at the same time, these people can trigger the fuck out of you. Oh, yeah. And so like, you need that ability to say like, Hey, I need to take a pause, right? I know that I'm getting overly like either emotional in this because of where we're at, or I just need to pull back and the, your friends as well in that need to understand that, Hey, we're going to take a break. Like, I still love you, but like, we got to bounce from this just for a little bit. Right. Like, so, so it's important because if we talk about the decision-making process, how do you ensure that you're removing the emotional side or should you be removing the emotional side of all business driven decisions? No, I don't, I don't think you need to. And look, this is the challenge that like you and I grew up with a culture of capitalism mm-hmm. that kind of is pretty shitty. Yeah. Is like cutthroat. It's cutthroat. Be killed. It's, yep. it's capitalism in its purest of like capital only looks out for capital. But additionally, like capital looks out for shareholders, right? Like the business is for the shareholders. Mm-hmm. Well, back in like the, the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, we had a version of uh, capitalism that was stakeholder capitalism. And so you as a business owner were responsible for where you made decisions Others. based mm-hmm. on how it would impact your workers, how it would impact your customers, how it would impact the community and the environment as well. And so that was a a doctrine that wasn't like hard and fast, but it was still what was embodied by business owners of those days and by the capitalists. And so I think that's where we are today is logical focus on the balance sheet. And I think that's the problems that we're facing with people being dissatisfied with their jobs, customers not getting what they want, kind of feeling like it's just another number when it comes to things. And like, we need to bring the person back into the experience. So how do you, how do you infuse? I I love what you're saying. This has been a fantastic turn that we took in in this conversation here. How How do you infuse your philosophies, your learnings here your experiences along the way as you build Findustries? How how do you apply that as a business leader? Yeah, so what ended up happening is Findustries is a straight up consulting shop, right? And so here's the dirty secret of consulting. I'm going to bill you at a high rate and pay my people as little as possible. It's a margins game. It's a margins game, right? It's my business too, man. I get it. But I changed it. Okay, so here's what we ended up doing. The reason why we were able to bring in 60 partners, 16,000 developers is we started looking at like, all right, what is it that really makes this that I'm working with my friends? If I start to consider the deals that we bring in, so the client is still, they're still going to pay, you know, a fairly good amount, right? But at the same time, and when they come to us for a project, we're actually giving our teams a bit of revenue share on the projects as well. So they have skin in the game. So they'll make, exactly. They got their skin in the game. Any new business that they bring in, they've got skin in the game as well. Mm -hmm. Additionally, what ends up happening with 
um, when I'm looking to, to build a product, I know that I have friends that are exceptional at it. And so some of our friends ended up going out and starting their own businesses and we work with them. Other friends that we have, um, that we brought in along the way are developers that we used to work with. They would be either competing on projects with us where it'd be two shops in the same house. And I started thinking about it. I was like, we're not really in competition. We're, we're all looking to create. And so how do we create an environment in which the opportunity is there for all of us to succeed? I love it. I mean, I deeply, deeply, deeply believe in collaboration over competition. That's one of the, like, that's a big thing in my ethos, especially in the recruiting space too. Right. Recruiting yeah. is one of those old, right? It's in the list of the world's oldest professions, right? Like right above prostitution is used car salesman and then recruiting, right? In that, in that, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like uh, the old key man was selling the second used wheel, right? You know, like, <laughs> and then there was a recruiter was getting in the jobs. And I always kind of make that joke too. But like the, once you embrace collaboration, I mean, your whole mindset changes. The way you approach relationships, the way you approach interactions from a business perspective, it changes. So, um, Great conversation here, and we could talk forever, but we do need to bring this show um, to a point. But I do want to talk about one of your other passions outside of work. Um, you're an artist, right? Like, yeah. what, what, what's your medium? What do you love to create? How do you, is that your escape? Do you infuse it into your business? Uh, let's say the one thing that I'm working on is trying not to turn everything into a business, right? Um, which I'm failing at in the art as well. So, either way, what's happening is I, the business is very logical and I, f I ran into an artist friend and she was working with acrylics and pore painting and like using fluid art as mm. like the expression. And I just picked that up and I like, I ran and spoke it. to you right. and it was, it did, it was, it's a way for me to like drop into trance mm -hmm. and then just to allow the paint to flow, which creates, you know, endless amounts of like good stuff. And like, if you want to check it out, it's at donfinley.com. Um, it has my portfolio of paints. I have uh, a piece that's being featured down at uh, uh, Art Week Miami this week Basil. at Art Basel. Yep, doing that. And then last month was uh, I had a, a showcase in Times Square as well. And so, like, it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's a, a great creative endeavor that just turns on a different part of the mind than when we're working with AI and working with software. That's awesome. I I absolutely love it. I want everyone to check that out too. So let, let's bring it home here, Don. Um, what is what is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball question before I get to the other ones. What's your, what's your biggest fear about AI technology right now? It, it's the nuclear bomb, nuclear energy challenge, right? Like um, AI alignment, I think is a, a big challenge. And at the same time, I also think that humanity and alignment is the bigger challenge, right? So, uh, the nuclear bomb side of that is basically it's going to disrupt a significant portion of, of people. Um, two years ago, we thought that it was going to be blue collar jobs that were going to be automated away. ChatGPT has basically changed mm -hmm. that perception. We're now looking at like a whole slew of white collar jobs. In fact, we've got a project right now where we're trying to automate me out of the business. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking like, look, the CEO can help to set direction, but like as being that like fluid person that ties everything together, there's no need for that. And so like you could train we're the looking machine. at automating myself and training the machine so that it provides better guidance love for it. anything than I could ever do. Yeah. I love it. I saw some project, a similar project where where they were training leadership. They were training the yeah. they're they're they were training the AI to run the company. 
and solve business problems and create opportunities, monetization opportunities. It was awesome out there. Um, Don, what's what's the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that that you take action on every day? It could be a mantra, something you wake up, first thing you say in your head before you get going. First thing I first thing I say in my head is, wow, what a gift I am. It's just coming back to that and just recognizing that like it is um and there's deeper meaning behind that as well. Like, um, I was a, a pretty staunch agnostic before uh, getting into plant medicine, and now I'm full on the gravy train of of God. And so, uh, but I went down the instead of going back the religious path, I went the mystic sort of route. Spiritual. And like, if you if you look at like how uh, Kabbalah, which is like the Jewish mysticism, teaches, uh, or like even the word for God is Elohim which literal translation is I am. And then on the, the, the most powerful thing that you can say is I am something, I am this, I am that, I embody, I am the embodiment of love, right? Like you can make those statements and that's directly calling in the power of God to your declaration as well. And so, wow, what a gift I am is a reminder of all that. I love it. I mean, that's, that's powerful stuff there. I want everyone to kind of just sit with that for a moment and, Hit the rewind button, slow it down. You don't have to listen at 2x speed. Bring it down to 0.5 speed if you need to. That was powerful. I, I'm aligned with you on that one. I think that anything you want to change in your life, you, it, it starts with you owning it, right? Like really just owning it in your in every cell of your body. And that's how you're going to affect change. And, and Don, last but not least, you know, you look back on your life and, and those times that were not so great and you had to pull yourself up. You need to pull yourself up to the the peak of Mount Kilimanjaro, and you needed to harness that tenacity to really look down deep inside and and find that real true moment of self awareness. And on the other side of that, we speak today about all the work that you've done for yourself, for your family, for your business, for your relationships, and you show gratitude. What is your compass? What is your beacon, Don Finley? What is your north star in life? Um. It's the nuclear energy side, right? Like it's the, I, we're, we're in a time period where basically in order for you to make $10 million revenue wise in a business in the, like the eighties, nineties, you need about like 40, 50 people. Yeah. And then continually it's been dropping down to being smaller and smaller. And you can create a $10 million business basically by yourself mm -hmm. today. Um, we're getting to the point where I think AI can help people to find their own purpose and to find what they love to deliver to the world and then have AI help surround them with other people who would love to help spread that or that's where their joy is. And so AI is the, the oil that helps somebody ha live a purpose-filled life. And so like when it comes to like just... I, I had a friend who was like, when you get on this like plant medicine journey, you start out healing, right? Like you're healing from something. And even if you don't recognize it, that's what you're doing. And then I was like, what do you do when you're done healing? And he looked at me and he goes, you figure out how to help someone else. Pay forward. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's fucking brilliant. But like, that's kind of the thing is like, I just want to see us be able to use technology in a way that makes it more human and allows for a greater human experience. Amen to that night, and as long as we keep it out of the hands of evil, which is always, you know, I don't mean to get all cynical here, but that's that's the world we live in. 
And yeah. as long as that we're continuing to shine a light on great voices like yourself uh, and spreading the good word and, and continuing the process. So, Don, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me today. Um, everyone can find out more and sign up for the newsletter on their AI implementation services at findustries.co. Um, tell us about the art site again. Where can they find your art? Yeah, it's at donfinley.com. Yeah, you got lucky buying that site. And, uh, and where else could they connect and learn more? Feel free to email me, don at findustries.co. Uh, it's F-I-N-D-U-S-T-R-I-E-S dot C-O. Uh, head there. And then additionally, we publish on LinkedIn. And I'm starting to get back into Twitter for a little bit. Excellent. So we'll see how that There goes. you go, everybody. Don, hang with me one moment as we sign off here. That was a great chat. Thank you so much for your time. And everyone out there, if this show resonated, sharing means caring. Send it to somebody who might need and want to hear this. Uh, if you have any questions about AI or 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 Don's uh, journey with uh, with plant-based medicine, definitely hit him up there. I'm sure he's more than happy to share. You know where to find out happy. more at thepodcast.com. Remember, follow us on the social media channels. Be good to yourself. Be better to others. And catch us next week for another great episode of The Podcast. Take care, everybody. Hey, everybody. I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>